0: Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. Hello. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Um, We're discussing scaling digital transformation projects with Lawrence Whittle, uh, who is CEO with Parsible. Lawrence, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Yeah,
1: great. Thanks to uh, having me on. It's an uh, you know, exciting time for, uh, for the industry, and uh, I'm sat uh, at home in uh, Northern California, uh, as I have been for the last six months, but uh, you know, continue to be uh, really motivated by the, uh, the work that our global industrial companies are doing. So great to uh, be on the podcast with you.
0: Yeah, and if you have to be quarantined somewhere, that's not a bad place to do it. Tell us a little bit about uh, you and a little bit about Parsible. Who are you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as you can probably hear, i originally from the UK. Um, I've been in the uh, enterprise technology space for pretty much my whole career, the last uh, 25 years, and um, a lot of it uh, started in the industrial space. So I worked for a couple of enterprise technology companies um, in the 90s and into the early 2000s that were producing planning software for the industrial world and are now at the you know, the hopefully the peak of my career back in that industrial space. And, uh, you know, the journey has been really uh, on, on a global basis. Um, and that really is what pulled me to to passable um, in 2016, as, as I was looking at the global technology market, I, I could see that there was a growing opportunity to digitize, you know, the last group of workers that hasn't really been addressed with modern digital tools, which is Mm -hmm. frontline workers. And that's what Possible was born to do uh, six, seven years ago. Um, I joined uh, four years ago to really drive this uh, level of modern digital tools. And in a very simple sense, we're providing an environment that enables uh, frontline workers to have a digital experience of how they should execute work, digital work instructions, collaborate with each other digitally, Collaborate with machines at a data level, and ultimately use all of that data to drive increases in productivity, increases in safety, and increases in product quality. So that's uh, that's possible. And we've built a nice business. We have customers in over 100 countries. Products available in 14 languages. And uh, you know, despite COVID, um, which obviously has impacted many companies, you know, the business continues to uh, to prosper very well.
0: Why uh, was that, Lawrence? Why uh, are frontline workers uh, among the last to get on board with the digitalization of their uh, work processes?
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting subject. I think that there's a there's a number of factors. Um, if you think about most of technology, which comes out of where I live in Silicon Valley, um, you know, there's there's not a lot of manufacturing companies in Silicon Valley. So I think part of it is just just the affinity for the market um, okay. means a lot of technology hadn't really been you know front of mind within the within silicon valley so i think the first point is just the visibility but people don't realize actually the average person doesn't realize that 80 percent of the world's working population does not sit behind a desk so it's a massive market but not very well understood then from a technical perspective there are some nuances you know people are not sat at a desk so it needed to be a mobile first environment to really do this at scale the product needs to be super easy because these workers are doing real work. They don't have a lot of time, they don't have a lot of patience and replacing six inch binders, print and tacit knowledge needs a certain type of technology. So I think it's firstly just visibility of the market, mm-hmm. which is now growing. And then secondly, you know, the, the needs of those workers because they are, they are not sat at a desk, they're doing real work, they need to be really, really augmented, I think is the other issue, which is why it takes companies some time to build. But once you get these platforms, the demand there is, is just huge.
0: Yeah. And clarify for me, when you're talking about frontline workers, we're talking about um, both uh, personnel within facilities on the plant floor and remote uh, mobile workers as well.
1: Yeah, that's what's a really interesting discussion. You know, when we think about the industrial world, you know, you've got people in manufacturing doing direct manufacturing activities, line changeovers, maybe doing maintenance. Mm -hmm. But then at the front of the process, you've got logistics where people are, you know, uh, running trucks that bring in, in, you know, products in and then finish products out. So there's there's really a, a tremendous amount of breadth in terms of these frontline workers. Yes, it's in manufacturing sites, but it's also in the logistics, it could be in the distribution chains. And then obviously you've got a large amount of people that are doing just remote work, um, which could include, uh, you know, actually remote salespeople, uh, particularly in certain markets where they're technically sales and they're, they're remote. So it's really about people that are executing work that needs to be done in a certain sequence. That's really the key. It's work that needs to be done in a certain sequence where you do need these types of modern digital tools, and it's spread certainly beyond manufacturing.
0: Okay. Um, Let's talk about scaling these digital transformation projects and initiatives, and and let's remove ourselves from the current situation, which is obviously unusual. Um, In a normal setting, in a normal um, time, what are, the, what are the, the greatest challenges to scaling efforts like this? And, and um, you know, what are some of the most common hurdles that uh, business owners face in scaling out um, perhaps projects that, that in pilot stages uh, were initially successful?
1: Yeah, this has probably been the hottest uh, discussion around my company for the last, you know, two years, both internally and externally. People sort of scratch their head about why have we been able to scale projects you know hundred odd countries thousands of users hundreds of use cases um and and it's not that we've got some magic it's actually we step back and realize that there's two primary issues around doing things at scale the first is change management which is you just have to make sure that you have a solution approach that enables people to deploy with very low friction but not in a pilot mode so you sort of the way we develop software is sort of an agile approach where we'll find some use cases, we'll deploy them, we'll refine them, we keep going. So it's really about managing change management, make it super easy. Don't sort of say, let's do a two year project, let's do a you know, a sequence of one month projects and iterate through it. So I think there's change management, how companies are organized and how you think about introducing technology in bite-sized pieces as opposed to most of these sort of digital transformation projects or particularly around Industry 4.0. Are often, you know, multi-year, very, very intense, needing large organisations and large amounts of uh, sort of change management. So I think that's the first one is just really aligning uh, digital transformation programs to how people can continue to work but gain advantage of the solution. And then the second mm-hmm. thing is I think it is the, you know, the, the 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 business case side of this, the you know, the capex side of it, you know. Companies that have been around for 50 to 100 years um, and are going to be around for the next 50, 100 years. They can't sort of jettison everything they've got and start anew with a new digital approach. It's got will be done in bite sizes. I think it's also around how you align the investment versus the return. So there's very two simple approaches. Get very good discipline around change management, make it bite sizes of implementation, use cases, sites, use cases, sites, as opposed to some big, you know, monolithic program. And then secondly make sure that the business case is done again in bite sizes. So you don't actually get stalled by a big capex project. So they're they're the two. And then the third thing, which I think is really important, is also um, the concept of, you know, the journey. You know, there's a a sort of a spectrum of, you know, where you are today and where you want to be in the future. Um, Make sure that you don't start designing for five years out when you start so find use cases for example that you don't need integration find use cases you literally can get up and running very quickly yeah that don't impact your long-term direction but don't get stalled because of sort of technical integration issues
0: mm-hmm. and that aligns with with the the previous two points too you know the, the having these these projects align properly with your overall business strategy and then getting implementation for the people who actually do this thing you know that I hear over and over again about it's never the, the technology, it's never the techniques that are problematic with a lot of these digital transformations. It's getting buy-in from the people who have to implement it and having the personnel actually buy into this new approach and to not be to be fearful of it, to, to recognize exactly. the fact that this is going to benefit me, this is going to benefit the company, and i got to get on board to make this thing work. And that, that extends from the C-suite to, uh, to the factory floor.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think alignment on the use cases that are – strategically important for the company and add value to the actual frontline worker is, is really the, the secret because you know these these workers uh, you know they're doing real work they're under pressure they're typically in you know a noisy dangerous environment so the more you can actually start with use cases particularly things like safety or yeah. maintenance where they've got to do this sort of paper work anyway if you can give them a modern digital tool that actually helps them then you can start to expand that to the more complex business cases where there may be a little bit more organizational dynamics, but you get people sort of onboarded quickly with things that deliver value, not just to the company, but also to the frontline worker.
0: Yeah. And that incentivizes them. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about this pandemic period. How, how is the current um, crisis situation accelerating the adoption of some of these digital transformation initiatives, particularly around safety or, or new technologies and new techniques?
1: Yeah, I think it's a, uh, you know it's, it's a really uh interesting discussion and i think you also need to break it down by different types of manufacturing company and different uh you know locations you know if you think about um some of our markets you know one of our biggest markets is consumer packaged goods uh you know food beverage uh, likes of heineken Carlsberg, uh, Grupo bimbo etc you know throughout covid that you know people were still eating and drinking and you know demand was high but um, and they're essential industries, but operationally they may have left staff. So the, what they suddenly realized is that we start to use things like passable for, for employee screening. So, you know, what, ultimately what we're doing is standard operating procedures. And, and guess what? The CDC and WHO operating procedures around COVID can be digitized. So we started to see people really focusing on a data approach to safety and doing that at scale. When we think about scale, meaning leave no one behind. You know, there's been safety. Safety has been high profile for industrial companies for decades, but most of it's been sort of checklist based, and you know, it's somewhat episodic. Whereas what we're thinking now is that safety is part of the process, and so digital can drive that. So I think safety has driven a lot of digital acceleration. Secondly, um, again, depending on particular industries, there's some amazing stories in the auto industry uh, in uh, in North America, and then in the health and beauty industry where people have been changing their products. So it was not manufacturing cars you start to manufacture you know um, breathing equipment you know ventilators and that need you know rapid digital enablement of those employees that have actually made those before so it's it's really a good use to you know for agility then on the health and beauty side you started to see companies that were manufacturing you know beauty products suddenly build it you know manufacturing hand sanitizer and to do that rapidly and cross-train retrain these digital tools that provide in the moment training and validation, you're actually doing things correctly, accelerated. And then the third thing, which is really, for me, perhaps the most transformational part of this is that, you know, one of the things that has been apparent for many, many years is that these frontline workers are often isolated from the rest of the business because they're in in the manufacturing site. You've got the offices, you've got maybe the site managers. Um, These modern digital tools give you the ability to be connected so that, you know, the term we've been using, connected worker, has taken like a new meaning. It means that actually you can be digitally connected. Um, so as work is being executed in a site and your supervisor may be at home, they can actually digitally follow what's going on. So I think those three focuses, you know, first of all, safety and doing it at scale, leaving no one behind. Secondly, operational agility as you change product lines, product mixes with less staff, and then thirdly, this ability to communicate and do things remotely, remote audits, uh, remote inspections and have visibility across different components, both inside your company and also across your value chain. So it's sort of the 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 awakening of COVID and the value of these tools is, for me, the biggest positive for the industrial world is that suddenly people realised not only can they help during times of COVID, but actually now uncovers you know many many areas. So there are the three areas that we've seen sort of the acceleration.
0: Yeah, and, and tell me um, how. And this is kind of a, a very broad question, but me get, give me your perspective. Are business owners in the manufacturing space aware of this approach of, of uh, implementing and man, maintaining safety at scale, or is that concept still pretty pretty murky um, among uh, business owners? So
1: it's a great question you know the 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 challenge of a, this industry is actually making awareness there so simple answer the people that know know and the people that don't probably don't and, and the reason i say that is that again safety in particular people have been doing safety with checklists for a long long time um what i don't think people have realized is the value of data out of safety and that's really where scale the more you know, you can make sure that people are, you know, using checklists to ensure they're safe, you know, putting your PPE on, everyone knows what PPE is now, but having a data-based approach to safety where you're actually collecting data means you can actually start to see pattern recognition sure. very, very early. And I think that's the, the difference between classical safety systems, of which there's some great ones out there, legacy systems and, you know, checklist systems, but this data approach where you actually make it systematic, you collect data, and then you can start to see signals, through the data, I think that's really what the difference is, and there is a growing awareness, and particularly a lot of the strategy consulting firms, the likes of McKinsey, BCG, and Bain and Co, have really recognised that. Wow, you know, the correlation between safety, productivity, and quality is apparent, and if you can get the data at scale, that's really where the difference is. But it, it is still an educational phase, I think, for a lot of the a lot of the market.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and we're you know with smart industry here with the content that we've uh, been producing lately you know very recently just in the past month or so, we've run a number of pieces that address that that topic is yeah. we're doing safety to keep the the factory up and running obviously and to keep the personnel safe, but on the back end we're recognizing the value that can be uh, the insights that can be gleaned from this data that we're collecting. It's kind of a secondary benefit of doing you know temperature readings and and uh, proximity monitoring and things like that. It's very interesting.
1: Yeah no exactly i mean i think your you know your business is one of the few that actually gets into the level of context to explain these these discussions i think you know people are using the word COVID safety you know like almost like it's confetti and the reality is that you know you need to put in a little bit more context about what does that actually mean in the context of you know a manufacturing business and especially around what is the insights you get from the data and i think you know the i've been following a lot of things you've been writing and i think you you know you're spot on in terms of the the balance between pragmatism around what it is. And then also highlighting the, you know, the concept of smart usage of data.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that aligns with, with the the concept of, of industry 4.0 as a whole, you know, just as we're getting smart about applying the insights gleaned from uh, data being produced by machines, um, we can do the same thing with data being gleaned from the workforces.
1: Exactly. And I think this is the, uh, you know, there's been a lot of interesting, uh, Uh, I could almost say fake news over the last few years about industrial robotics and automation taking away humans. Now, actually, it's far from the truth. What what is going on is an ever-increasing need to combine machine automation with human augmentation. So you actually bring together the dark data of what humans are doing and increasingly the human skill set within manufacturing needs to change, you know, upskill and reskilling combined with this industrial automation you get those two together um and actually if you just automate machines and you know you you can see many many you know the famous comment made by you know you know the iconic elon musk who's you know true hero but you know he said uh, he underestimated humans you know he got huge huge amounts of robotics but you've got to also make sure that humans are provided with modern digital tools so they can actually be you know an integrated symbiotic relationship i think that really is the future and i think a lot of the industry 4.0 noise, um, forgot about the human, you know, understandably. And, uh, you know, because everyone was getting pushed with, you know, this robot, that robot, this piece of AI, and and it's all important stuff. Don't get me wrong, but the combination of the two is where the most forward thinking companies are going.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Last question for you, Lawrence. Um, and again, not to minimize the, um, the severity of the pandemic and things like that, but um, silver lining uh, we're in a very challenging period right now there seems to be perhaps some light at the end of the tunnel um, and we touched on some of these elements in the past couple of minutes of this discussion but um, what's one uh, what or two silver linings you see coming out of this challenging period we're in right now
1: yeah so there's a number of things and you know I've uh, you know though I've been in technology for my whole career you know my father wore a hard hat so I have a big affinity to the industrial world and I think one of the most amazing uh, things is that you know I don't have to explain to anyone anymore what a frontline worker is um, I don't have to explain anyone anymore what PPE is so I think the awareness in the world of the role of frontline workers that are you know making our food making our drink uh, building you know building cars transportations so I think the awareness of the importance of those markets has gone up massively mm-hmm. um, that's important for just generally but it's also important because you know pre-COVID and post-COVID this demographic shift that's going on, the, you know, the grey tsunami of people retiring, we've got to attract a lot more newer generation people into the business. So I think the awareness of the importance of these roles and then the ability to actually bring people into these markets. I'm doing some work with the World Economic Forum around new generation of manufacturing leaders, which is around making sure that people realise what great careers these are. So I think the awareness is one thing. Um, the second thing I think is, is really an awakening around agility. Um, you know the, the there 's a lot of discussions around supply chain disruptions um, and about how I child become more agile with you know disruptions so I think the the productivity around this awakening around being more agile will sustain post covid and then the third piece is is I really do think that the value of data around safety and quality is going to accelerate because you know one of the issues around you know, all of these, you know, unfortunate pandemics we've had over the last number of years, it often gets, you know, traced back to cross-contamination, which is safety and quality related aspects. So I do also yeah. think that people are going to be laser focused on anything that's related to, you know, safety and anything that's related to quality in terms of digitally enforcing those procedures. So I think that's the the other piece is that the you know, the, the combination of agility that's been highlighted, the companies that have been able to adjust, that have these tools continue to operate in these very difficult environments and they'll accelerate through. And then I think also the awakening of doing safety at scale and quality at scale through data is gonna be, you know, a really, really positive push, uh, you know, once we get through this, uh, you know, awful period. Silver lining. Lawrence Whittle, Parsible CEO, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Appreciate the opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's always great to uh, talk to people that really have an affinity for this industrial
0: space. And uh, thanks again for the invite. Yeah. And to the listeners, as always, we encourage you to go out and make it a smart day.